Nerd alert, nerd alert. It's almost time for season two of Our Nerdiest Thing coming in March 2023. We will be reading Jennifer L. Armentrout's From Blood and Ash. And as always, we are spoiler friendly. So get to reading. I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. This season, we are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses and all of Sarah J. Mass's books. We are spoiler friendly, so listen at your own risk. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses, chapters 39 and 40. And to get us started, we're going to spin the wheel. Oh, names. And we have a winner. It's Deb again. The Wheel of Misfortune. (laughs) For our nerdiest recap. Deborah Again. Yay. Again, you should just make another one that's like all Whitney. (laughs) And just so not tell me. Our listeners don't know how competitive I am because I'm like, no, that's not right. It has to be <laughs> random. It has to be, even if it's me or Mindy every single time. I mean, it pretty much is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me get the timer going. Sorry. All right. Ready, set, go. Okay. So we're back under the mountain and Feyre is in her dirty little cell and the two um, Faye come in and they start painting her private parts and putting gossamer robes on her. And the Resan comes and he takes her to the midsummer party and tells her that he'll be able to tell if anyone touches her. Um, the One of the high lords from the summer court is uh, brain melted by Resand, and then she, uh, I'm sorry, Feyre goes into the second trial, which is has to do with reading, and Resand uh, is able to speak to her telepathically and help her out, and then um, I'm out of time. There was way too much that went on in this yeah, for you to get I needed that a 45 second <laughs> countdown. I know, it's only a couple of chapters, and I feel like they weren't super long, but it was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. A lot of stuff is happening. So I thought that was a good job. It was better than oh, I would have done. It was way more detailed. But I, I, you know, I told you before we got on, I wanted to keep reading. And that's why I didn't. Because I would have been like, and then, you know, they, they killed Amarantha. And then they were in the Mist and Fury. And, you know. Um, all right. So, Mindy, will you do our nerdiest vocabulary? Yes, I will. So this week, because it's, I mean, it prominently features Resand, but we've already done him. So um, because Lucian was trapped as part of the second trial i thought i would look up lucian lucian means light it comes from the latin lucere which means to shine so light or shine which i thought was a weird i don't know i didn't feel like is it because his eyes golden i don't maybe i don't know yeah i didn't i couldn't find like a very good tie-in with that but i did find some interesting famous lucians which i thought was something i haven't done yet first there's lucian bonaparte which yes that is Napoleon's brother. Oh. And he was the prince of Canino and Musagano. And then there was a man named Lucian Lauren, and he was an American racehorse trainer who trained Secretariat. Oh. Which, fun fact, and because we're from Kentucky. Which is a big deal because we, yeah, we live in Kentucky. But even more fun fact, if you watch the movie Secretariat, my dad is featured, not featured, his, he's in a band in the, like a background scene, but he's in that movie and he still gets royalties from it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was that's a little fun fact there. So we're going out after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a whole like $56 every year. 
Um, and then finally, this one's the most interesting. Uh, Lucian Greaves is a social activist and spokesman and co-founder of the Satanic Temple. Oh, and, that's interesting. Right. And so Wikipedia says that they don't actually worship Satan, which seems odd because why would you call yourself the Satanic Temple if you're not going to worship Satan? But they focus on contemporary satanic beliefs like personal sovereignty, independence, and freedom of will. So they're atheists? I guess. I don't know. It just seemed I so. I thought that was weird. I was like, don't call yourself mm. the satanic temple if you don't want people to think you worship. Well, because Satan. a temple is where you go to worship. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Sounds like maybe they worship self. If that's what they focus on. Well, maybe know? they think they're Satan. Maybe. <laughs> we don't worship Satan because we are, we Satan. are Satan. Well, so that begs the question. That's pretty punk rock. In my mind, did Sarah J think about <laughs> the Satan, the Satanist church band while she was naming this character or Somehow, something different? I doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. But then, of course, I went to the Urban Dictionary and found some very interesting Sec- sections of that so for I just you were gonna say I some sex, interesting yeah. sex. well <laughs> for because just... i'm looking at my notes and the first one is a sexy muscular man also known as mr swag oh. <laughs> that was funny because we always talked about how he was tamlin's swag he was helping. Yeah. yeah so this is for just the first name lucian yes this is just for the yes okay and the second one is hot as fuck oh so somebody really likes to get some Lucian. I mean, I've got some Lucian art in my library from Ghost Nymphs that's really hot. I'm just going to say. <laughs> it does take a little turn here. Uh, oh no gosh. one likes him. This is the third one. No one likes him. He annoys everyone and you should kill him. I'll help you. Oh my. I know. Some, is Urban Dictionary where you can just yeah, upload it's just whatever like you want? Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, number four. Lucian is the name of anyone who is a perfect combination of smart, intelligent, kind, loving, hardworking, and just plain cool. And I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> that's my Lucian. I really would say that I like Lucian. Um, this one, I think it, for me sort of is where I'm at with Lucian. Lucian seems pretty kind, but he actually is a pretty toxic person when you get to know him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he complains a he's lot. Got, he's got some flaws. Yeah. he uh... Maybe Elaine just doesn't want to hear him bitch all the time. <laughs> She hears everything else. So. Right, yeah. Maybe she can see her future and he's like, me, 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 me. And she's like, I don't want to be a part Maybe of it. He looks You're like annoying. an earthworm while he does it. Right. <laughs> Maybe. And then finally, the very last one is a name for any dark, ominous figure found in the back rooms. And I have no idea what the back rooms are, but now I want to know. I'm not searching that on my phone. <laughs> No, no way. That's going to mess up the algorithm on your. Right. <laughs> on all your ads. And stuff. Yeah. No, I did not look at back rooms because I thought. Like it was some kind of weird sex. It's den. what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, it's got that. It's got that vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a sex swing there. So yeah, that's that's Lucian. I don't know that that I I feel like I know him any better after doing that. Yeah. The only thing that I was thinking, the very first thing you said about the light, or was it shining a light or just a it's light? It's light and to shine. Okay. Well, I feel like he is that for Tamlin. He tries. Some of the time he tries to give Tamlin advice and tell Tamlin what he thinks he should do and guide him. Cause we've talked a lot about like Tamlin's instincts are not great. Right. If he just no. goes to his own devices, he makes really bad decisions and Lucian is trying to help him. 
um, some of the time and so most of the like time. So he's like a Tamlin. light to guide him? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Like he's he's trying to be that at least some of the time, but Tamlin just like doesn't listen to him. I you can know? get behind that. It's a stretch, but I can get behind yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit of a stretch, <laughs> but it makes more sense than the satanic. Yes, it does. <laughs> the satanic founder. Dude. Yes, it does. That's so funny. Um, well, let's get into the chapters. So to kind of give us context where we are. Um, Feyre has finished task one of Amarantha's, which was with the worm last time. And she's been doing a couple of minor impossible tasks. Basically she had to clean the floor that they gave her dirty water, basically like enchanted dirty water to stay dirty and get dirtier. Lucian's mom, the lady of the autumn court came and helped her complete that. They had her do the lentils in Resand's room and Resand helped her and Resand used his Demati powers to basically tell the guards like leave her alone and don't mess with her. So when we start this section in chapter 39, she specifically points out that she's gotten regular hot meals of like actual food for that fresh food and not just like gross moldy bread. Um, ever since Reese kind of like intervened for her, um, I wrote, she is still so confused by the riddle. Bless her. <laughs> I know. I and like in this chapter, she finally just gives up on it. I know. I felt, I felt really bad for her. Um, one, the first major thing that I marked as just standing out to me was when she said that she was utterly alone, locked in silence. And so first of all, I was like, okay, well she's not alone. She just doesn't realize it. Right. Like Resand is right. 100% like helping her every single step of the way and trying to figure out how he can help her more. And she just doesn't know that. Um, but I also thought that that was just really interesting. Cause for me, that really foreshadows what happens in book two, right? When Tamlin locks her up and she, kind of consumes herself in that like dark power that she didn't realize that she really had. And that really was locked in silence. That really was feeling utterly alone. And I guess I just didn't really, I don't know that I've ever realized that's really how she felt under the mountain and that Tamlin made her feel that exact way again. Like I think I had always thought of it. He triggered her like PTSD, but not in a way of like, he made her feel the exact same way in a different situation. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, if I'm making no, I get sense what you're saying. What so saying, it's but... like, um, she already felt that way and she was trying to step it down, but then he did that and that made it all come back up to the surface. And she felt like she was back under the mountain trapped. And well, like... and not even so much that like he literally did trap her just like she was under the mountain, right? Like yeah. it wasn't just, he made her feel like she was back under the mountain. Like he created, Created a new under the mountain. She couldn't yeah. even you know? go outside. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know why I haven't really put that together until this reading, but I just, I just didn't. And it really made me upset. I wrote, this makes me so disgusted with Tamlin and Lucian. <laughs> but here's, let me, let me say this though, even in these chapters, and I don't know if this is necessarily goes with feeling alone, but I think she feels like a captive, not just from, amarantha but she goes and points out she makes it a point to say that she compares the eye tattoo on her arm or on her hand that reese put there with the bargain to jurian's eye like she belonged to reese just as jurian belonged to mm -hmm. uh, amarantha yeah. and she says it quite a bit in here saying like she felt like she was belonged to somebody she was somebody's personal belonging 
um, you know, that kind of speech with it. And so I think Tamlin brought that back up too, as be- feeling like a captive or a p- something that's just belongs to somebody else. She's not her own person. Right. And in this book, I agree with that. And in this book, in the second half, she has said multiple times to different people, Tamlin never treated me like a captive, right? Like I've yeah, never felt like Therese. a prisoner. Yeah. And it's like, well, first of all, yes, you did. And I'm second of sure all, yes, you are. he kidnapped you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, wouldn't and, let you leave. And he's going to do it again. Right. Right. Yeah. But right now she's like rewriting that history and like, well, no, I didn't ever feel like that. Like, well, you did. And it's yeah. okay that you, you did. did until you guys had sex. Right. Well, until you decided you wanted to have sex with. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. Well, and let's get into, let's get into the, the resand of it all. Cause you just said Feyre feels like he is making her his property, which he basically is. Mm-hmm. And you said it in the, um, the recap, Deb, like, She's got these two twins, these weird shadow people that just like show up in her cell and take her, right? And basically strip her naked, paint her body, and then intimate parts. Yeah, I did not remember. I didn't remember that either. Like, basically, they sexually assault her. I mean, I mean, she's like, she's basically walking around naked. She's got body paint and she's got like yeah. see-through like fabric sh- covering, sheer, I think of covering sheer curtains. And that's basically it. Yeah. Well, and I, we said this before we actually turned on the microphone. This isn't really a chapter where you like resand very much at all. But I did make a note that whenever she walks into the room the first time, she's more worried about what Tamlin thinks about her being practically yes. nude than what everyone else thinks. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that, down. that down. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe you should worry more about the fact that you just got your body painted and are being yeah. coerced and doing things you don't want to well, do. I mean, he basically dressed her up like a prostitute. Yeah. Yes. 100%. You know? Very much so. Yes. Well, and, you know, he even says, um, she she said she points like at her paint and says, "Is this necessary?" And he said, "Of course. How else would I know if anyone touches you?" Again, because mm-hmm. she belongs to him, right? Yeah, and I mean, in this moment, I mean, she she does. Unfortunately, yeah. the only redeeming thing about that whole exchange, because um, later, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but later she wakes up in her cell and realizes like, I don't remember anything from last night. And Lucian comes in, right. And she's like, Oh crap, what happened? Um, the one redeeming thing that I did know was I think that part of the body paint was resand, not necessarily protecting her. I thought that too, but it gives her that peace of mind of like, okay, the paint is only messed up right here on my waist. And she right. says like, at least I know like it right. didn't, that didn't happen. I to think me, it also right? keeps other people from messing with her. Like yes. he would know if anyone messed with her, yeah, which is I think something he is doing for her, but it feels really icky. Well, and I was thinking about, I mean, it definitely is icky. And I was thinking about it like Resand is being assaulted on a daily question mark, daily basis. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly what that feels like. And by giving her, he's, he's forcing her to drink the fairy wine so that she's not going to remember what happens, but he's also giving her like a peace of mind of, you don't remember, but this didn't happen. So Resand has her painted, has her in this outfit. He puts her in a little crown, right? Like a tiara. Mm -hmm. And I wondered which crown that was. I, I love, she is a high lady, right? And like, where, he brought that with him, I guess. Like, where did he even get that? <laughs> That's a good yeah, question. Yeah. He's, he's been under the mountain this whole time, right? Right. Like, he hasn't gone back to Valaris. And where or... do the twin spirit things get the gossamer from? From I the curtains on the windows. 
Oh, like Enchanted. <laughs> like the, sound of, the Sound of Music. One of my favorite things in, is Enchanted whenever she makes her dresses out of the curtains and he's so pissed off about it. And she's well, like, and isn't my dress beautiful? It. I love how you can, you can see, see it cut, cut out. out. Yeah, like yeah. It's not the whole curtain taken down. That movie is some out. pure like meta magic. I love that movie. I love that movie too. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. Resan puts her in a crown like from the very beginning. Um I did note too. She doesn't have the instinct to be quiet around Resand. I, I wrote that, that down too. And I, w- I, I wrote LOL because she is his equal, both as mate and in his actual, like his perspective. Well, she's he actually her. being herself. Right. Like he sees her as his equal. He's vulnerable with her. We talked about that last week. And she is herself with him. She doesn't feel right. like she has to make herself less because he's a high What lord, I think right? is funny though is she says the, the instincts that told her to be quiet around Tam and Lucian, but she wasn't really quiet around Tam and Lucian, no, but she didn't. No. Get, but the difference here is that she doesn't feel like she has to in front right. of Reese. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like she should the way that she does with Tamlin and Lucian. That's true. So speaking of Tamlin, did you notice whenever, um, because I thought at first maybe Reese Ann was painting her to hide the bargain, right? And then you realize he's painting her to essentially get her ready to be presented with right. the bargain, right? Yeah. And, um, one of the things I noticed was she's looking at Tamlin's face and again, no claws. He was able to keep the sign of his temper at bay is what Mm -hmm. she said. So again, no emotion. And we find out in the next chapter um, that Lucian tells her he's not spelled to not have emotion, which pissed me off even more. I'm like, because I think for the last few weeks we've been giving him the benefit of the doubt because I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, me too. And Lucian flat out tells her, no, he's just doing it. He's just being a piece of shit. But no, he does tell her though. And and see, and here's where I, I I get in that gray area where I don't really want to defend Tamlin because I agree. I think it's shitty what he's doing, but I also think that, that he thinks he's doing whatever he can because Lucian points it out that he is, he doesn't like Tamlin's staying quiet because he doesn't want Amarantha to know what specific things right. tick him right. off. Which about. yes, I agree with, but we know earlier in the book he can't control how emotional yeah, he no, is. Yeah, no, I so totally but I'm just maybe saying it's like, a writing flaw. Maybe that's well, what it is. Like he even, can suddenly control his emotions. But even then, like the not letting Amarantha know what is like the worst is all about him. True. And it's not about Feyre, right? It's true. Like it's about what, what upsets him, mm-hmm. not what's worse for Feyre. Right. You know, right. So maybe he should say, oh, no, it really upsets me when you give her a nice place to sleep. <laughs> Don't do that. When she's comfortable yeah. and dressed. When she can and- put on weight and, you know, live lavishly. Please, whatever you do, don't do that. One thing, um, just thinking about Resand. I think it's hilarious the way that he presents Feyre to Tamlin because first of all, he says, I don't like my belongings tampered with, Mm -hmm. which made me laugh. I wrote, ha ha (laughs) in my notes because I mean, he's showing Tam he's, he's pissed at Tamlin because Tamlin has Feyre right. And has her love. And he doesn't at this point, Rhysand does not think that he will ever be able to have Feyre's affection or even like friendship. Like that's just not a possibility in his mind. And so he's using this opportunity to kind of like stick it to Tamlin. Like she's actually mine. A little bit of a jealous bitch. Yes. 100% (laughs) 100 he is. But he's, he's saying to Tamlin, like you're weaker because look what I did. I helped her and I got a bargain out of it. He's also taunting 
Amarantha too, because he says one week with me at the night court every month in exchange for my healing services after her first task. And then he, it says, um, he raised my left arm to reveal the tattoo whose ink didn't shine as much as the paint on my body for the rest of her life. He adds casually, but his eyes were now upon Amarantha. And so like I feel like he's telling Amarantha she is going to defeat you yeah. and then I get to hang out with her the rest of my life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um you know and I mean I we like know that, that he hates her too, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a little jab at her. Yeah. Like I I want to be around this woman for the rest of my life and I you know I don't want to be around you, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I noted too just thinking about we've talked before the kind of like unhinged theory that maybe Amarantha and Tamlin were mates. Um, Tamlin. Why do you think it's unhinged? Well, just because it's, I only say unhinged because it's like, um, like an out there fan theory and not really like a, right. There's nothing that's ever given us reason to think that, but it's a theory that all of us feel like would make sense. No, I I agree. Do you ever wonder if Sarah J. Mass looks at the theories and she's like, man, that's pretty good. I, I think so. Yeah. Well, I would if I were. Um, I just thought it was interesting because we were talking about Tamlin being able to keep his temper in check. And he's very stoic, except for um, he's gripping the throne or the chair of the throne with his white knuckles, just like Amarantha did and at the end of the first trial. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was a really interesting detail. Like both of them were able to keep their tempers in check, except for the white knuckles. Did you notice too... That the way that Amaranth is described as being dressed surprisingly modest next to Feyre's Yeah, I did like, notice prostitute. that. But yeah. that's the thing, too. Knowing it's coming from Feyre's point of view, was it actually that modest? I mean, we're com- just compared her, to what were she her was jiggly wearing. bits covered up. And so she's like, well, that's pretty modest yeah, compared true. to what I'm wearing. I, wonder... I just thought that was interesting. No one painted uh, Amarantha's vulva that day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she does paint her vulva. <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the idea. It's all in vogue under the mountain. Is if, yeah. if you're only cool if you paint your vulva. That makes me think of uh, Outlander in season two where Claire gets it's the she gets waxed, yeah. yeah. And, oh. and Jamie's like, Your honey pot. <laughs> I feel and, like that's what well, he's like. Why, why you would rid yourself of such an amazing forest is beyond me. I'm like, She rid herself of it because you guys all had pubic lice. Dude. It talks about it in the books. Gross, by the way, Diane, uh, Diana Gabaldon. Yeah, did not like that. And it does make me laugh though. Um, and then Resan compels. Feyre to drink the fairy wine. I was going to ask you if that was compulsion. Against her will. Okay, no. I think he definitely was using his power to get in her brain and like make her do it. Because that last line is she said, I like I, she I said grabbed my, the traitorous god. Yeah, my traitorous yeah. fingers land, yes. latched yeah. onto the goblet. She so like said she didn't no. want to do it. Yeah, and she did it. It was definitely non-consensual. She yeah. said no, and he was like, "Yeah, you're going to do this." And we know that he's coming from a place of this is horrible, and it's going to be horrible, and it's already horrible, and I don't want you to have to have any more bad memories, right? right. So like he's trying to protect her, but at the same time he is coercing her to do something that she doesn't want to do. He's got her on display naked. Continues to coerce her because he knows the fairy wine will make her extremely uninhibited, right? And we've already seen how much she likes to dance when a fiddle's (laughs) playing. Can you imagine what it's like? You know, but I mean, yeah, I, I'll I'll be honest. I, Resand is very difficult to like right now. And I, you know, obviously I think this was done on purpose because as a reader, you're supposed to still be rooting for Tamlin. But um, I'm reading this and I'm like, damn, Resan, what are you doing, buddy? Like, you could have not been this like, bad. Like, even knowing what we know, that he's not doing it, like, 
because he's, he's not trying to be assaulting mean. her or anything right. like that. Right. No, his shadow people are. <laughs> right, right. They're at least women, though. Like that he is did, true. he could have sent um, Court of Nightmares <laughs> dudes to. Oh, that's get, true. You know what Ugh. I mean? Like it could have been a lot worse, but, but yeah. And I just keep coming back to the. He is. He is not thinking of Feyre as his mate. He is not thinking of her as a potential like romantic partner. He is only thinking about her as a tool to defeat Amarantha, which is exactly what Tamlin has been doing the entire book, right? Yeah. And it's this is this is Resand being like Tamlin, which is why it's so hard to stomach, I think. Yeah, yeah that's he's, a good point. He's using True. her as a tool, and that's rough. Even though he's got, you know, these safeguards and these boundaries and whatever to protect her and keep her safe. Like, yeah, he is trying to keep her safe, but he's still just, like, using her as a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% that's he hard. is. Yeah, that is, you're right. That's hard to read knowing what we know about Resand. Yeah. But Mindy, I know you had some stuff you wanted to say about the fairy wine. Actually, yes. And and it ties right into what you were saying about um, he wanted to make sure that she uh, didn't have these bad memories. But what's interesting is when you look into it from a brain chemistry point of view, it actually does the opposite. So when I looked into this, I thought about this whole like drinking to forget, you know, because in the end of this, she finally starts welcoming it. She's like, I don't want to remember anything. So she's wanting to not remember what's going on. She wants to forget her problems for a bit. And that's really a kind of a true sign right there that she is still struggling with her mental health. And while it seems appealing to drink to forget, it actually makes your mental health worse because you are replacing a healthy coping mechanism with an unhealthy one that will create a pattern of drinking and alcoholism down the road. So uh, this article from the Blackberry Center, which is, I think, actually like a mental health center, says that once you try to stop drinking to forget, you realize that your problems are still there and they have compounded, which makes you want to drink again. So it's a vicious cycle. Which is what we see her do. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I realized that Farah had little control over what she did. And it's not like she had a therapist working with her. But, you know, it it probably made her situation worse with that decision of having of doing that over and over again. Also, this is what Nesta does. True. Yeah, she she does. She drowns herself in alcohol. The cycle. Yeah. So then um, reading on it actually affects your brain chemistry. And when you try to stop, you end up with more feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and a lack of motivation um, that tend to surface when your brain chemistry tries to change back once you come down off the alcohol. So we kind of see this, like when she's after, like she does come into this sort of, by the end of the chapter, she's trying to like talk her, well, the end of these three chapters, she's trying to talk herself back into being um, present and wanting to do this stuff because she kind of given up. Um, so there was a John Hopkins study, John Hopkins university. They showed that when you alter the brain's chemistry with alcohol, it makes overriding your memories difficult. So in the study, mice were given a shock when certain tones were played to them and half of them had given, had been given water with ethanol, which is a a component of alcohol while the rest drank just plain water. And the following day, when the mice heard the tones again, the ones who had consumed the alcohol were more likely to freeze in anticipation of another shock. Interesting. Yeah. So the brain tissue analysis of the mice also suggested that they, the ones given alcohol had more receptors along their synapses. And I know I'm getting like super scientific here and I'm not trying to like. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 
really not a science person, but when it comes to like the brain, I'm so fascinated. It's really interesting. So the synapses are the gaps in a nerve cell that transmits your impulse to the next neuron. So from cell to cell. Um, and then the receptor that gets placed there will speed up that transmission. So it'll, it'll, you'll do it more and more. So the more the receptors equals the stronger synapses and the stronger the synapses equals stronger memories. So when you drink, basically, it's creating these strong receptors on your synapses, which makes the memory actually, instead of forgetting it, it becomes a stronger memory and you hang on to it longer. Which is why it becomes a cycle because then you're like, yeah. crap, it, I need it to drink It didn't work. Again. Yeah. yeah, I need to get rid of that memory. Yeah. So it not only, drinking to forget actually not only temporary blocks new memories from being formed, but it also will hardwire your painful memories into your brain. So that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess Reese was trying to be nice, but he really screwed up. <laughs> yeah, he did. He screwed up a lot in this chapter. Well, I mean, it just, it makes her so vulnerable, you know, like yeah. she's essentially naked in this very dangerous situation where she is extremely powerless, literally and figuratively, right? She's surrounded by all these high fae that have, and, and lesser fae that have all these powers and she is just a human and he's taking away the only thing that she has, which is her mind, her yeah. brain, right? That she can outsmart everybody else, which she has done multiple times and he's taking that away from her yeah. and she doesn't know that she can actually trust him to protect her, right? Well, and like not let anything bad. It's another to her. form of captivity to not have control over what your body or what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Or what yeah. other people are doing, yeah. To you. Which is why I keep going back to the like. Well, I mean, I guess she at least has the paint, right? Like <laughs> yeah. she can see where somebody touched her right. and where they didn't touch yeah. her, right? But you know, one thing that just occurred to me as you were saying that. Um, we know later in the book, she and Tamlin do get alone and Tamlin does smear her paint and all Rhysand does is snap his fingers I and know. puts it back. I know. And so there is a part of me that's like, is he also hiding if anyone tried to do anything to her? Right. Like, yeah. Which we know that he probably isn't hiding that, right? Like, right. Um, he's we know that he is not like assaulting her. No, he's not, not him. Like if she's by letting, herself and someone comes right. up. And, well, like, he's not going to let as 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 much as it's in his power he's not going to let anybody do that to her but she doesn't know that mm-hmm. right like yeah. and a first time reader doesn't know that right so right. it was a rough chapter for resand <laughs> yeah um, and she wakes up so hungover every day poor thing she's I like felt, vomiting in the corner I felt oh, bad and for the her. part that really bothered me was like while she's doing it it says she vomited like there and then he gives her more like right. or or he makes her dance more. Oh, like, yeah, so she yeah. dances so until hard. she throws up. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. he's like, "Okay, do it." To, and do then it he has more. her dance more. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, she couldn't rough. just sit on your lap after she I'm threw like, up. Can there, I buddy? just barf? Can you just hold my hair, please? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and he is playing into the. You know, everyone is terrified of him because they think that he is like an evil, sadistic monster, right? And so him messing with her plays into that. And that's what he wants everybody to see him as. And I'm not making fun of this at all, but I will say I'm very comfortable with my body. And I would be more mortified that I threw up in front of everyone (laughs) than being practically naked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to watch, I don't want people watching me blow chunks. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I I would rather anybody watching me do anything, but if I. (laughs) Like if I had to pick one, I would honestly probably pick. You'd naked. rather be. I think naked, I would rather right? be naked in yeah. front of other people than throw yeah. up in front. Not of Not naked and throwing up. <laughs> right. That's horrible. That's yeah. a double oh my whammy. Gosh. Yeah. That's that's a nightmare. That's right. a new nightmare that I'm going to have. <laughs> Sorry. 
you're naked at the That's front of class in high school, and then you throw up in front of like all your friends that you had in high school. Um, can I talk about like just Lucian? So Lucian comes like the, oh, that Lucian. very first day, and he is so just not very sympathetic to everything mm -hmm. that's going on and asks her like, what were you thinking? And, um, you know, how could you not think I would come for you? And she's like, well, you told me you hesitated that one time with the Naga. Why would I think you were coming? And he said, you offered up your name for me after all that I said to you, all I did, you still offered up your name. Didn't you realize I would help you after that oath or no oath? And I wrote, why the fuck would she? Why would she? Right. Yeah. And, right. I, and we find out too, that Amarantha was not letting his wounds heal. And that's yeah. why he he right. couldn't come, which makes me love Lucian a little bit more. I gotta I say, he came as fast as he could. Yes, but at the same time, why? Why in her mind would she think someone's gonna come for me? Yeah. Well, and also, it said, or I wrote it down. This is how I understood it. It had been five days since she made the deal with Resand, right? And right? she had already been sick for two or three before exactly. that. Exactly. So we're going on like ten days, right. probably. Yeah. And he's like, "I was gonna get here as fast as I could," and it's like, "Well, that's great," but I was literally gonna die. Right. <laughs> so, and I didn't know you were coming. Exactly. Like, like it is exactly what Resand said, right? Like he could be here in five minutes. He could never come at all. Like right. you don't know. And well, I, and that bothered me of Lucian. Like she was dying. Yeah. Right. She like, needed. How dare you make a bargain with Resand when no one was coming for you and you were dying from an infection i mean like what the fuck was she supposed to do right. just die but i think too and maybe Feyre says this maybe in this part or some other part i, d I really don't think lucian like understands the human body and yeah she does mention that like he doesn't understand that they they do die you know quickly like right they like can't... how fast your body yeah. will wither and and decay or whatever um yeah, I, I I don't think he understands it at all. Um, so it's they, no excuse, Lucian. I know, right? You can read. Go look it up. <laughs> they they basically keep um, doing this little routine, right? Of getting all painted up, getting basically naked, and going with three sand to the throne room sounds for these, fun. these parties right <laughs> now it does now that i know everything it sounds fun right with valaris resand it would be yes it, it would be a hoot and a half <laughs> or or even valaris resand at the court of nightmares which we know gets very very nice it does <laughs> whitney just turned bright red and was like yeah it does <laughs> Um, I loved too that Rizand basically says Tamlin isn't really like a true high lord, and that's why his court fell. He made some kind of like snarky comment oh, to Feyre, yeah. so he does. And then here is here is something that I noticed because it was really the first time it happened. She said, "Well, your court fell too," and it says sadness flickered in his violet eyes. I wouldn't have noticed it had I not felt, felt it, it. Yeah, deep I inside me, and I was too. like, oh. That's the mating bond. Yeah. That's not the bargain. That's the mating bond yeah. that she can feel what's happening inside him. Yeah, which she does not know for quite some time. Right. Well, she thinks it's that eye looking at her. Right. And I mean, I wonder if he knows that she can feel it at that point. I don't feel like he Oh, I don't does. think he He's being does. way too casual with her to think that she can feel yeah. anything. Well, he says later in um, A Court of Mist and Fury that it didn't, he had his suspicions, but the mating bond didn't really snap for him until after she is turned Haifei. Right. At the very end of this book. Right. So at this point in what we're reading, he just suspects, which again, he is not looking at her like 
like that right now, right? He's looking at her as the as the tool because the mating bond hasn't snapped into place yet. Right, right. Um, so they go to another nighttime party, and then um, something very different is going on with a summer court fairy. And Deb, I know you wanted to talk yeah, about this. Yeah, so um, there's just one little reference to it. He says, happy midsummer to her. And I didn't realize, even when I was reading this again today, that... You know, he so in the scene, Resand actually executes a lord of the summer court for trying to escape. Um, the high lord of the summer court is also there, which we get the first description of him, which he is so fucking pretty. He's got like mm-hmm. white hair, blue eyes, dark skin, yeah. like he's just beautiful. And um, Feyre essentially find you know, figures out that he goes into this lord's mind and says, No one was helping him escape, he did it all on his own. And Resand knows that, or Feyre knows that Resand protected him right and you can see the relief in the summer court high lord's face so it's really really interesting because um everyone's terrified of resand in that moment it's what he's known for right it's kind of like this like demati demati power it says the the fairy male's eyes went wide then glazed as he slumped to the side in a puddle of his own waist blood leaked from his nose from his ears pooling on the floor and then that's when Amarantha says, I, I said shatter his mind, not his brain. And so Feyre figures out that he did that on purpose. So let's talk a little bit about Midsummer Festival, because that is the party that they're attending that night, which essentially is summer solstice is what it is. So um, Midsummer Festival began as a pagan holiday to celebrate f- fertility. But whenever Catholicism like swooped into the area, it merged and became some of the holidays to celebrate John the Baptist. And wait, I don't know very much about John the Baptist. Why are they celebrating him? He was um, Jesus's cousin and he was born first and he was like the messenger to prepare the way for to prepare the people for Jesus, the Messiah's coming, okay. basically. Okay. He preached out in the desert and ate locusts and baptized a bunch of people. Okay. And then cool, he got cool. beheaded. Oh, he did. By a woman, right? Because of a woman. Oh, because, because oh, um, the stupid. king's, somebody's daughter danced. Sorry, I'm like taking over your. No, I, your that's step. why I asked the you. The king's daughter or like stepdaughter or something danced for him. And she danced so well that he was like, I'll give you anything you want. And that's why Southern Baptists don't dance, first of all. <gasps> Whoa! Um, because she, her, it's very Adam and Eve. How yeah, dare a woman know, fuck is, everything right? up? So the mom said, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so the girl did, and oh. he had John the Baptist executed. Oh, that sucks. Mm. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> So according to culturetrip.com, the festival, which is held on summer solstice, is the day when the sun never fully sets in Sweden. So midsummer is really a Swedish holiday and a Germanic holiday. So on this holiday, they decorate their, their farms and their tools and their homes with foliage. And people dress up as the green man, which we've talked some about on this podcast, but the green man shows up a lot in Fey mythology. The Green Man is a legendary being that brings rebirth and represents a cycle of new growth each spring. So if you read Rhapsodic, the trilogy, and if you haven't, you really should. The Green Man is a, a big part of those books. And it is, in a, a, it is in a court where it's essentially a spring court, mm-hmm. right, that he yeah. lives in. So, um, so at this time... A maypole is also erected, and some people say that it looks pretty phallic. And again, this is a, a pagan, <laughs> a pagan fertility uh, rite 
right? So I wanted to show you two, and we'll post this in I mean, our, our look, notes. It should but look that's, like a that's a picture oh, of the maypole. My. So if you guys are wondering, it's a it's a long pole. It's got that's a shaft. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a shaft at the top yeah. with two balls. Yeah. So that's, I think it does look I'm pretty little, Don't they wrap the maypole though? Like why? If you want to do fertility, don't wrap the dick. <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> but they're wrapping it. They're wrapping it in fresh growth, right? And wildflowers. That so. sounds like a medical problem. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like a, a yeast infection. Oh no, my my maple has some uh, freshly fertilized flowers coming out of it. Somebody wrap some foliage over. <laughs> They'll never know. Just wrap it and spray some perfume on it. They'll never know. Okay. So, um, you know, this That's is where a- Summer's Eve came from. Uh, uh, Sorry. I just thought why? of why. <laughs> if you don't know what Summer's Eve is, we're not going to talk about it. Go look it up. Um, it means you're younger than us. Friend of the podcast, Summer's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and our first sponsor, Summer's Eve. <laughs> Washing away your, all your Maypole desires. <laughs> And the good bacteria in your vagina. <laughs> okay, so there, so in Midsummer Festival, it starts at noon with a picnic, and everyone dances around the maypole. And I guess this, there's this really fun like frog dance. It's tradition that like it doesn't matter what age you are, you do it, and they get like super silly, and it's really really fun. So you start out with a picnic and the dance around the maypole, and then in late afternoon, a huge lunch is served, and it's said to be like the best meal of the year, like the American equivalent of like Easter dinner right so they serve potatoes with chives and sour cream salmon and pickled herring so i could do without the herring yeah, i, I don't yeah, know if you guys that. have ever had pickled herring i'm not a fan i'm good I like honest. anything pickled yeah. except for pickles yeah i like pickled <laughs> eggs <They're> really <laughs> Which <good. is> ironic <laughs> that's a How hot fun. take <laughs> yeah. so in the evening outdoor games are held and they drink a lot of beer and essentially do shots of vodka so a couple of things that are in the lore of uh, Midsummer is if you if someone collects seven different flowers on Midsummer Eve and <laughs> Mids- I can't say Summer Eve. <laughs> Damn it! Um, okay, you're so, welcome. So someone collects seven different flowers on the night before Midsummer and puts them under their pillow. They'll dream of their true love. You can also see the face of your future spouse by looking into a well at midnight. So um, a couple of magic things about midsummer which i thought were really fun is plants are extremely magical supernatural beings are supposed to be their most active on midsummer and it's the perfect time to collect healing plants or try to predict the future so apparently rolling around in the nude in the dew on the morning of midsummer is good for your health oh so do you like i don't think my neighbors would appreciate that well it, it, does it specify if you must be clothed or not. It says in the nude. Oh, it did say nude. Yeah, oh, so oh, gotcha. rolling around in the nude in the dew on the morning of midsummer is, is good, good for, for your health. health. And then loud behavior on top of that is encouraged to drive away evil spirits. So you're like, I'm rolling around in the nude. <laughs> I got the loud behavior. <laughs> you know, that makes me think this is going to be like an outrageous thing to say. And I have absolutely nothing to back it up with or anywhere to point you to where I heard this. But I remember seeing something crazy on like, dr phil or something like you that. saw something crazy on dr phil no way i know right <laughs> can you believe but it was like this lady who was saying that w- the best thing for your health was to be naked and like get <laughs> sorry i'm making myself laugh about it um get naked and get some sh- sunshine straight up your butthole 
this. I've okay, heard of right? this. Like, yeah. That's what that makes me think of. Like, you so, know what's really good for you? Like, something super weird. But can, I, <laughs> can I say something super awkward? I don't care how thin you are. Even if you're laying on your stomach, the sun's not shining on your butthole. So how are you having, are you having to, like, pull your cheeks apart? She, I think she literally was, like, going out into her yard and, like, spreading it. Oh, yes. no. Still doesn't get up in there. What the hell? I mean, she just got to burn this, your butthole. That's what the summer's eve is for. That's what summer's eve is for. Exactly. <laughs> Multi-purpose. <laughs> Put a little sunshine in your hoo-ha. Yeah. I mean, so, I think if I had a really tall fence, I could. And if if I believed that rolling around in the dew was how many really times? Be how many times did you burn your asshole last summer? To be honest. <laughs> that's why we had to move. <laughs> the neighbors were like, "Dude, we're tired of seeing your brown hole. Get out." <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so I once I realized it was midsummer and they executed a lord from the summer court and then the yeah. high lord had to watch. It's like I, she picked that day on purpose. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it is literally their day, yeah. right? Yeah. And she murders someone from on his court. Day. I didn't think about that either. Yeah, so it's it's, it's really just more sad. Psycho. And you do again. You you start you dislike Reese more because he literally just kills this guy in front of everyone. But it, we know it's a that Reese film. and right he was being merciful and he was protecting the other Fey around him. Yeah. Right, because it says you can visibly see the High Lord like. Well, see the relief in him. And I marked to the fact that Feyre clearly sees that, right? Like she sees there's more to it, that there's something deeper. She sees the relief in the other, the, the summer lords and stuff. And, and I'm just like, nobody else, nobody, nobody else, else sees that. that? Yeah, Cause yeah. they're still like calling him names. And like, sometimes I feel like Amarantha is not really with it. Like, did you not get that? Dumbass. Like, <laughs> well, she's so arrogant that she thinks he True. wouldn't go against her. True. Right? Because even towards the end of the book, when he does try to kill her, she's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. And I'm like, really? You didn't, you didn't think raping someone for 50 yeah. years right. would make them want to kill you? Yeah. Like, yeah. What's wrong with you? Well, but remember, he uh, made her think that he was into it. That's true. So That's she true. wasn't necessarily thinking of it as rape the way that he yeah. was because he was right. making her think that. Not, I mean, not that it makes it better or okay, but um, she wouldn't have necessarily thought about it that same way. Right. So um, after that, really quick, I had no. two observations on that. <laughs> Every episode, Mindy's always, I'm always like, really like quick, quick and you're like, go back. no, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we moved on. So two observations I had. First of all, did you notice that every time Resand is getting ready to mind melt somebody, he puts his hands in his pockets? I think it's because he doesn't want people to know how powerful he is. Oh, still. see, I thought, was it a nervous tick? Does he get extra power from his balls? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would get power from his balls. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> I she think, makes a point to say that pretty much every I time. I think it goes... To his persona, whether it's the casual, I don't yeah, give a fuck. The, okay. the casualness, the the lack of effort to hide. Sometimes I wonder if it's to hide how powerful he is, or to show how powerful he is. Like right. I don't even have to have my hands out of my yes, pocket. Like I don't yeah. even have okay. to try. That makes you know? sense. Um, but I do think it's definitely the image of the hand. It's the lint, the invisible lint thing too, right? That he does all the time. Like picks a an yeah. invisible piece of lint off of his it's him being whatever. nonchalant about yeah. it he's like okay i can fuck it's this guy up like i'm pretending he's, yeah, he's okay. too cool too cool for all i don't know it, i like the know? idea that he gets extra power from his balls 
<laughs> that that's canon. Yeah, it is. That me. is canon. Now. I mean, I will say, I think my marriage has gotten extra power from his balls before. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to point out: Did y'all notice that Claire is still nailed I to did. the wall? Yes. I, months later, right, I wrote down: It's been months. She's still I on the know. wall, and you know that they. It's just torture for Feyre. That's oh, the only reason oh, yeah. she's there. Well, it's also torture. I don't know if it's on purpose, but it's torture for Tamlin. Or it, should, for it should be for Tamlin and for Rhysand because yeah. they're all... Right. And we talked about that at the time when we read that section, right? Like, all three of them are responsible yeah. inadvertently or unknowingly but tamlin knowingly responsible well and right? there's there's a lot that goes into spirituality too about her body not being laid to rest yeah, yeah. which like, is really scary it's a, a disrespectful thing at a bare minimum well right? and like, there's a lot of religions that feel if you're not buried in a consecrated grave you you can't go to the other side right, right? Like so in a purgatory it's a further torture for that person too to not be laid to rest yeah i wish that we did know a little bit more about some of like the belief systems in this world of um akatar and what the fey believe because we know the cauldron we know the mother but that's pretty much it but right? we don't like, really yeah. that's well, the thing we just like, know that they exist right right and yeah. that they are powerful and people believe that they have power mm-hmm. and that's really it but stuff like that right with amarantha and claire like What's the purpose? What do they? Well, they what have to know what the human doing? beliefs are, right? And I mean, I would assume because th- that the human beliefs would align with the human beliefs in the world that Sarah J. Mass lives in, yeah. right? I mean, even Maybe. the things that Feyre does to respect the dead of like the wolf and stuff, she mm-hmm. feels bad for skinning it and for you know yeah. doing the things that she does would tell me that it kind of is in in line with what the general population yeah. believes in America. Yeah. I want to point that out. Cause I realize not, we have a lot of listeners that don't live in America and we yeah. have a large um, Catholic population here and it would be not putting yeah. them to rest would torture their soul yeah. literally. And that's kind of the idea. Cause we get, I was just thinking we get a lot more information in both throne of glass and Crescent city. As far as like those beliefs of the characters right. and the world that they live in, we get a lot more in both of those series. There's a lot more about one. purgatory in Crescent City about yes. not being able to get to the other yeah. side yeah. and everything, which she does a really good job of making that just terrifying I know. of being stuck. Yeah. Right. Cause that is like the scariest thing you can think of with dying is being stuck somewhere. Right. Right. It makes me think of all kinds of supernatural. Episodes it does. Too. Me too. Um, so then we get into her second task, which um, I want to get into the second task in a minute, but basically the over the overall task is there's a riddle that Feyre has to solve and she has three levers as her choices for three answers and she just has to pick the right one. If she doesn't, she and Lucian both are going to get killed in um, like like super hot spikes yeah, coming like, down yes. from the ceiling basically. Um, and, you know, Feyre can't read. So that is super scary. Do you scary. think Amarantha knew she couldn't read? I don't know. I feel I like really, she had to because it I, yeah. was such an easy answer. I know. I felt like Rhysand was like, dude, it's number three. And I felt like she had to have figured it out somehow. But it was in the same way so it was described. It was almost like she didn't. Like, it was almost like it was a surprise when she realized. I don't know. But like, I, we, don't, I don't know either. She, But we know she's using her strengths weaknesses. and weaknesses against yeah, her, right? Because she's like, you're a huntress. So here's trial one. That and, feels like the kind of thing that perhaps Resand would have told her. Or, I, But I, I, don't I don't think Resand realized she couldn't read until that I don't moment. Either. 
I think he did because maybe that he was says after. something that made me think. Well, no, he wa- Oh, you know what? He walks into the chamber later in the book and goes, yes. "You can't read." And he after, actually yeah, says, right. "So when you come to the come to my court, one of the ways I could torture you would be to make you to read." read. Which yeah. you know, he does right. And, which he does, yeah, right. And so maybe he was surprised by that. Maybe they didn't know, but I don't know why she would give her such a simple task if she. Knew she that's how I felt she too, but I she feel like read. it was described that she didn't like it was she didn't realize that so I don't know it was interesting it could have been too because Feyre can't figure out the riddle True. right like the riddle Maybe she just thinks she's dumb right that I mean that's what I'm that's kind of what I'm getting at right like she she knows that Feyre is not figuring out this one riddle so like maybe she's just a dumb human and can't figure out anything so I'll give her a different riddle and see yeah. if she can do that right and maybe that's why she, Amarantha is so surprised at the the end when she actually gets the question right because it's like well if you can get this right why can't you answer the other one because right. that's the same level of difficulty right mm-hmm. but we also don't know what the actual task to or riddle, the riddle is yeah. so, so this Something about grasshoppers. This is the first time we see Resand communicate with her telepathically, yes. yeah. which is, I mean, if you are reading this for the first time, you're like, oh, holy shit, what's yeah. happening? She can feel his emotions. He can talk to her telepathically. Yeah. Like, what is happening here? And not just talk to her, but make her feel pain. pain. Yeah. Like, right. where, where there her. shouldn't yeah. be pain. Like, right? oh, no, like, don't press it. Because she keeps yes. trying to press it, and he's like, fucking stop. That's, <laughs> like, how, yeah, that's how he communicates the right answer, right? Because right. the one lever that doesn't feel super hot is the one that's the right answer. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not even just talking. It's making her feel something that is actually there which right. i think is almost like scarier oh yeah than talking you right. know what i mean right, right, right. Like, it's just yeah like super he, creepy it, and we know that he has that power but i don't i feel like they what he can do with her is completely different than what his powers are and i think even that's in the true. moment yeah. he doesn't realize like oh i'm doing all this stuff yeah yeah because they do have that extra bond that mm-hmm. neither one of them really real fully realize yeah. like that it's there and what it means and all that. Um, it's I wanted, so exciting. <laughs> I know, right? I wanted to go back and talk about Psyche and Cupid because way back when, it feels like a hundred years ago. I think it's only been two or three episodes, Wit. Well, no, I mean, from the very first episode, we talked oh. about um, Cupid and Psyche. That's which, right. That feels like a hundred years ago. Um, but I wanted to do not really a comparison, but just kind of a, an explanation of Psyche's impossible tasks. Because in the myth of Cupid and Psyche, one of the major parts of the story is that um, Aphrodite, a.k.a. Venus, gives Psyche several impossible tasks and basically says, like... Um, I won't punish you if you can fulfill these, these, uh, jobs. And so kind of to recap, Psyche was one of three sisters. Um, Psyche was beautiful. Aphrodite was jealous of her basically, and was trying to punish her by making her marry somebody like super scary and gross looking. But, Aphrodite's son Cupid fell in love with Psyche and married her secretly but Psyche did not know that Cupid was her husband and it's a whole big thing wait she didn't know her that is such a guy thing to do yeah Yeah. oh my god he did it in secret because he knew that his mom would be mad and so there was this whole thing of like maybe your wife might be mad well he didn't care about that. Oh, right. <laughs> why, why would he? Don't piss off your mom, but if you piss right. off your wife, it's cool. How do you well, marry somebody without their knowing? 
I don't remember all the because details. Because men can do whatever they want. Well, but it was like, I'll only, you know, I'll only come to you in the cover of darkness and you're not allowed to look at my face. And oh, she so did weird. look at his face. Like, it was a whole thing. So, um, Psyche goes to Aphrodite and basically is like, hey, I'm sorry I broke your rules. Um, I'm here to basically become your servant. And so in the I got this information, by the way, from worldhistory.org. So you know that it is a valid source because it's a dot org. Um, that may or may not be true. I don't know. When it's not. Yeah. When Psyche shows up to Aphrodite to pledge her service to Aphrodite, a.k.a. Venus, um, she was whipped beaten and mocked which that sounds familiar exactly what happened with Feyre when Mm -hmm. she shows up under the mountain um the first job that psyche was given she had to sort grains of wheat barley millet poppy seed lentils and beans in a short amount of time she was given this like huge pile of all these different beans and was like before dinner basically you have to do i just want to remind the listeners too if you didn't listen to last week's or two week two weeks ago episode she has to sort lentils out of the the chimney soot in Rhysand's room right exactly Mm -hmm. which when you read at least for me when i read that i'm like what is the random like lentils but it's obviously right tied you know, to the psyche ode. thing yeah like yeah. an ode to this myth um the only reason that psyche is able to complete that task of sorting all these different grains is because ants feel sorry for her like her and the ants do it for her basically which goes back to resand doing her job for her with the lentils and also the lady of autumn court helping her with the um cleaning the floor so then the second task that psyche is given she had to cross a river and get gold shining fleeces from the backs of violent rams and basically psyche in the myth is like there's no way i can do that and survive because these rams are going to like attack me and kill me so her plan is she's just gonna jump in the river and drown herself and um instead the river itself helps her and tells her you know like we'll do this or go at this time and the rams will be peaceful and you'll be able to just like shear some of their fleece off and they won't bother you and so the river helps her again just like resan does just like the lady of autumn court does so she's I would well, question just like, my sanity if the river yeah, started talking I know, right? to me. Well, well the like, ants already were talking to her. <laughs> but in the in the first trial, too, Lucian helps her with the worm, right? right. So exactly. she does, she's getting like this outside help always. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and her third task, uh, Psyche, was to collect bl- the black water from the river Styx. And the god Jupiter actually helped her. I, I wasn't clear if he did it for her or if he just like told her how to do it but jupiter helped her and she was able to do that task as well and then her final task she was supposed to get a dose of the beauty of proserpine the queen of the underworld it wasn't persephone i don't know if it's like a greek versus roman i don't know proserpine 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 our word nerd (laughs) well i will go with that um she was supposed to get a dose of the beauty of the queen of the underworld and put it in a golden box and a tall tower on her way down to the underworld helped her and like told her how to basically get the queen of the underworld on her side. And the just, writer like, of the story it. was really reaching. I, know, was, right? I think the writer of the story was on acid. Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. Absence. So you know, probably ingested some chemical. They didn't know was poisonous. <laughs> yeah. In the story of psyche, she psyche is able to complete that final task. She gets the dose of beauty and leaves the underworld. But when she gets Earthside, her curiosity gets the better of her and 
she opens that box to see the beauty from the queen of the underworld. And she finds instead a dark cloud that put her into a deep sleep. And Cupid, her husband, finds her, takes her to the god Jupiter, who had already helped her with task um, number three, and asks that Jupiter make Psyche a goddess. So she drinks ambrosia and she becomes the goddess of the soul. Which, again, is very similar to what's going to happen to Feyre, right? right like, right. she defeats all the tasks, but still, like, basically ends up dying right. and has right. to become immortal. Her. Somebody, a god, has to save her and make her immortal so that she doesn't die. Um, and I just thought this this paragraph was really interesting. The story of Psyche is one of a mortal woman who, abandoned by her lover, lover due to her own curiosity, completes many seemingly impossible trials to win him back, becoming a goddess along the way. Just as a butterfly or a human soul endures pain and change, so too does Psyche, as many artists and writers have alluded to throughout the centuries. And I just thought that was really interesting because Feyre, like Psyche, is a mortal woman who is abandoned by her lover because of her own curiosity, yes. right? Like Feyre goes to under the mountain and everybody's mm-hmm. like, why are you here, you stupid, stupid bitch? Uh, <laughs> Um, She does do these trials. She does complete these impossible tasks to win her lover back, Mm -hmm. but um, becomes a goddess along the way. And I just thought that was so interesting because I knew that this was based off of that myth, but I had never really looked into it that deeply to see all the different parallels. There are so many parallels. Yeah, lots of... um, It's interesting because these books never get compared to to Greek mythology like a lot of books do right now. Um, They just get compared to Beauty and the Beast. Right, which which we learned in episode one. Beauty and the Beast is based off of Cupid and Psyche, right? But I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah, Sarah J clearly did a lot of research. Good job. So one thing I want to point out during this trial, and I don't know if you all noticed this. So I, I don't, I can't remember if it was one or two episodes ago, but the first time that Resand calls Feyre darling happens. I wrote, I wrote that down. So did you all notice that Amarantha calls her that? It says, here, Feyre darling, you shall find your task. Simply Ooh. answer the question by selecting the correct lever and you'll win. I wrote that down too. And I wrote down, is Amarantha calling her Feyre darling because of Reese? Or is Reese calling her Feyre darling because of Amarantha? But Reese like, had already called her that. Well, but I wonder if Amarantha had been calling her that, like to Tamlin, when mm-hmm. Feyre's not around or oh, something. Oh, your little Feyre darling. Yes. Like I just... It was like I one of those, know. which came first, right? I feel like maybe in my head canon <laughs> that she's doing it to piss him off because like that he'd already called her that. Maybe and that to, she's a- to Amarantha. Well, your little Feyre darling or like something he said it, but she, yeah, she's saying it because he came, you know, and he, this is after he's already presented her and, talked about the bargain and yeah. been like hanging out with her and maybe Amaranth is jealous and it's sort of like a mocking thing. Yeah, we definitely are going to, well, actually we don't see this in this book. We find out in book two that Amarantha was jealous of Feyre um, in the next section. I think when she catches Resand making out with Feyre, when he's like trying to cover the fact that Tamlin yeah. was making out with Feyre, right. Amarantha definitely is jealous of her, at least in that moment. So right. I think it's pr- probably fair to assume that yeah. that right. wasn't the only time, right. That she was jealous. So can we talk about after the trial, whenever Resand 
licks Farrah's tears. God, I really want to talk about so this. so gross. Actually, also, let's say... I, I, I didn't mind say, it, guys. <laughs> I want to call honest. out... I want to call out Lucian for being an absolute dick during the task. Like, yelling at her is not going to help. It's going right. to make her more anxious. Like, that pissed me off. I was like, dude, you're not helping. Like, I get that he's scared. I get that... But, like... Well, Just shut up and let her do it. I mean, to be fair to Lucian, though, like, Lucian knows that she can't read. That's true. So in his mind, like, he is effed. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, unless she just guesses right, there's no But also, way. if there was a hot spike coming towards my head, and it was one of you two, and I have full faith in you, I would be like, fucking hurry yes. up. What yeah, is like, wrong with you? I would be, I mean, you guys have seen me You're scream. You're right, Mindy. Like, it's not yeah, helpful at you all. You guys have seen me scream at my husband in an escape room, and my life wasn't <laughs> depending on that. Well, and I, think I just that wanted just, to win. That just um, also solidifies how little he knows about uh, humans and their mental health because right, like how they work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I did write in all capital letters in my notes. If Tamlin had taught her to read instead of writing limericks, the trauma <laughs> sexy would, limericks. Yeah, I said the trauma would be less right now. Is what I wrote down. <laughs> like, I mean, true. It just it made me so mad reading this. Of like, and again, we don't really know if Amarantha knew that she couldn't read or if it was just a like. I think she's stupid, and so I'm just gonna yeah. go with that idea kind of thing. But. Tamlin knew she couldn't read and Lucia knew she couldn't read and they didn't freaking help her. Yeah. And look, look now it comes back to that bite you in at, the butt. Say, right. Yeah, like, that backfired. Yeah. It's like, ugh, it just makes me so mad. Teach her how to read. <laughs> and what's the, one of the first things that Resan says to her I'm after this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I'm going to teach you how to read. Right. Like, right. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Back to the licking though, because so, oh, yeah. Whitney seems Ooh, on board. Okay, back so to the licking. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I also was not completely against it, um, but, but I you do, didn't like when Cam, Camlin, Tamlin licked her or kissed her eyelids. But this That's isn't different. gross. Like ew, licking is different. It is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's grosser. Like that's like spit. And so like, if Reesan wanted poop. to lick you, you wouldn't let him. No, unless he wants to lick my vag. <laughs> Take that a little bit lower, dude. <laughs> She's like, you're licking in the wrong spot. Stop it. You missed. <laughs> Dear God. Well, like, and I, I, what I don't understand about this is like why he did that. I think he was trying to piss her off. Mm-mm. Like he was. No. Oh, hold on. Whitney knows. <laughs> I have answers to this. Okay. So first of all, I want to point out that Feyre was turned on by that. She was. She was. She says yeah. like everything went taught and loose. And then all she the same says time. it was disgusting. And he goes, was it? <laughs> I know that made me laugh. And I'm because like, it he, wasn't. It wasn't because disgusting. He could, because he could feel that she was turned right. on. Right. Like yeah. he, he would know that she was yeah. aroused. Um, so first of all, in A Court of Mist and Fury, there's a scene where um, Feyre and Rhysand are flirting with each other, writing those notes back and forth to each other and he says something about like she said one of them says something about licking their wounds and he was like i'm very good at licking and she's like i seem to remember that you were not and he says (laughs) he says i was under duress (laughs) which i thought was really funny like they joke about this moment later but um in a court of mist and fury he tells her basically like i was trying to keep you from fully breaking like he's so, he is i think trying to make her mad he's but trying to make her feel something he's trying to pull so her back from yes so he's, it even pulling says her from the ledge the very basically. last sentence in this chapter says it took me a long while to realize that re sand 
whether he knew it or not, had effectively kept me from shattering completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he he was kind of, manipulation's the wrong word. He was distracting her. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Distracting her from what was happening. And he's like, well, I mean, those look nice. I guess I'll just lick her face a little bit. I think also, though, I mean, he he's distracting her. He's trying to make her feel something, pull her back from the ledge. But also, honestly, I think that he just, like, couldn't help it. I think that he is just drawn to her and I think that he sees, you know, when you see the person that you love more than anybody and at this point he doesn't really feel that way about her but like kind of but when you see them so upset all you want to do is just like be there for them. Okay, right? but grab her boob, don't lick her face. She would have punched him if he had grabbed her but boob. But that see, yeah, like anything overtly sexual would have been like an absolute no-go for him because of his experiences with Amarantha. And so I'm he's still not on board. He's with the doing licking. something like super weird and I feel out bad there. for Darren that he's not allowed to lick you anywhere except for your vag. <laughs> <laughs> Licking's nice. <laughs> oh man. That threw me off, Dad. Oh, Wendy. <laughs> Let Darren lick your boobs at least. Come on. He can lick my boobs. That's fine. Okay. You you were I, very you were very forthcoming just, with badge. <laughs> just don't lick my face. I will say that I did look up in A Court of Mist and Fury. Resan doesn't have a ton to say about this um section of Under the Mountain. The only things that he says is that he he says we endured it. Because he had just finished saying, I decided that I was going to fight. I was going to fight dirty. I was going to help you beat Amarantha, right? So we endured it. I made you dress like that so Amarantha wouldn't suspect and made you drink the wine so you would not remember the nightly horrors in that mountain. And that's all he says about this time period. Well, he's got trauma, too. He probably doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. He has a lot more to say about the next section, about the third trial and everything that happens after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I think, yeah, with the licking, I think I honestly think he just like couldn't help it. I think he was trying to figure out like in the moment, what can I do to help her come back from the brink? But also, I just I just need to like be close to her. I mean, I can see that because before that she had. Right after she came back from the second trial, she had actually essentially had a panic attack. And which I have to say again, and I say that I feel like I say this every week that Sarah J. Mass is such a brilliant writer because when I was reading when she described how when she was back in her cell, the walls were closing in on her and air was being sucked out of her. She couldn't keep herself in her body because the walls were forcing her out of the body. Like she literally just described what it felt when I have a panic attack. So I suffer from panic attacks. And so when I saw that written, I really, that resonated with me. Like it was so genuine. And so, so she had just come from that where she's really essentially giving up. She's having a panic attack. She's like, she said I can't she's do never going to see the sun again and never going to paint again. Yeah. She, she mm-hmm. thinks she's fucked. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess I see that he had to do something totally fucking weird to get her out of that <laughs> but it was totally it. fucking weird. well and like he said i was under duress <laughs> that just makes me laugh where he's like well hold on now <laughs> like, 
But no, I agree with you. And that feeling, that panic, feeling panic attack description is this is not the first time or not the last time that we see this with Feyre, right? Right. This happens multiple times throughout the second book when Mm -hmm. she's in the night court, when she goes with Resand to um, the prison, she can't even go in because it's under a mountain. And also when she's about to get married. She starts when having she's yeah. about to get married when she goes to the Weaver of the Woods house mm-hmm. with Resand and he leaves her in there and lets her like deal with that. That was one of the things I wrote down about the second task, like that feeling of panic of like, I have this thing I'm supposed to do and I don't know how to do it. Like it's right. the same kind of description that's in that Weaver of the Woods mm-hmm. cabin where she's trying to get that ring, right? Like this is not the last time that Feyre has to figure out how do I get through this panic? How do I deal with this panic and then like move past it? Because I still have to do this. Well, right? it's not like she has a therapist. She doesn't exactly. have an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety right. med. She like, has Lucian. Yeah. <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh. She she's, has that bitch Ianthe who is oh manipulating gosh. everything around she's her. She's got Tamlin who like won't talk to her about anything which still like i keep remembering that as i'm reading these last chapters of this first book well and i think as someone who suffers from panic attacks too when you're in that there's nothing that you can do to get yourself out of that honestly like you it you need somebody to come in and do something weird or like stop that cycle or whatever So next time you're really upset i should lick you will we still be friends if i lick your face don't you dare fucking lick my face We've already ascertained that there will be no licking of my face from anybody because that's just I weird like, and I gross. Like, I don't get it. Can I put my finger up your nose? <laughs> that's what I do to my kids. I am when so they're being... glad that you said nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already know that Mindy likes to have her vag licked. So not by you, not by me. I was gonna say but, who doesn't? But... but like you know, when my kids are being like ridiculous, I will literally walk up to them and put my finger in their nose. Oh, I wouldn't stop my, it. I wouldn't put your finger in my nose. Maybe my ear. I can put my finger in your ear. Yeah, you can give out. me a wet willy. That's not going to piss you off at all. This is a really weird conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so Weirder than licking tears off of someone's if you're, face. If your friend's having a panic attack, you heard it here. Mindy said give it's okay to give them a wet willy. It's not going to make it worse. <laughs> I would rather have someone lick my face than put spit in my ear. What is wrong with you? What's the difference? It's, it's on your face, not in a canal. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's in the ear, it feels like it's going to get stuck there. Yeah. Like if it's just or on my face. Or drained down into my like. Ew, okay, but man. he licked near her eyes. She's going to get conjunctivitis. Not from resand. No, <laughs> not with those sparkling violet I eyes. I don't know. Mm. Carry Still not on board. I would only for Resan though. I would be like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> let me cry some more. Hold on. Let, let me squeeze a tear out real quick. <laughs> that's not what you want to squeeze out. guys have anything else you wanted to talk about yes i do now that i'm all turned on by <laughs> resand licking her <laughs> so who wants to go first for the, their nerdiest thing of the week i'll go first so first i actually have a few things first of all i noticed and this is something i think that's been out for a while but there's a video of sarah j mass basically calling out Tamlin is a douchebag. I love it. Like there's this video floating around and I'll have to find it and we'll have to post it. But um, she basically says that like, he's a jerk. Like 
she calls him out Interesting. on it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I thought every see, I thought everybody had seen that, but I just I like got so tickled over that. So I'll have to find that and we'll, well post it's that canon, up there. Tamlin sucks. Well, because I mean, she said it was. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, is I've got so excited because I ordered this reading caddy for my couch which is where i normally read um and so basically it's this thing that like sticks in between your your cushions and (laughs) sorry (laughs) and it's got pockets and you put all like so i can put my kindle in there i can put the book i'm reading i can put my um you know my my wireless earbuds or my whatever i'm using my my, yeah my dildo (laughs) because i need that when i'm reading the pucked series oh my (laughs) um you know yeah just like it's got these pockets and it's actually a place for like a water bottle and everything. So I'm super stoked about it. It comes in tomorrow. And I'm very I feel excited. like it's got to be like the size of a messenger bag. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know how big it's going to actually see what be. what it looks like. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I think it's just like eight and a half by 11. Okay. But it's got like one big pocket and then like three pockets in the front. And that's got little Does side. it go over the arm of your chair? No, it goes like in between the cushion and... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Every time you I'm making I- a, a hand gesture, I think that's making it worse. <laughs> It goes in between the cushion and like the bottom part of the the couch. So it's on the side. Like this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm being really gross off mic. Sorry. Well, maybe I'll have to take a picture and we'll post that too. But the, the last thing, which I think is the absolute nerdiest thing ever, is so my son came home and he's super stressed about this English assignment he's got. They get this thing and he's talking about how it's all these words and they have to break them down into their you know, roots and their, their Latin roots and their Greek roots and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, are you, are you doing word clues? And he was like, that's exactly what we're doing. And I'm like, I loved that when I was in school, <laughs> it was this like workbook. And it, basically it has all these words and all the different, like, cause you know, I'm the word nerd. So all the different roots and what they mean. And then you have to like have the definition of the word and see where the roots came from. I don't know why I loved that thing. I love a good workbook. I don't know. And he is stressing about it. I'm like, I'll help you with that. Like he thinks I'm, he's like, okay, whatever. So I'm like, let's do flashcards. <laughs> Such a dork. Did you make flashcards? Yes. I, I made flashcards. <laughs> I love it. He's like, those flashcards are for you. <laughs> no, but I will tell you, he got a 100% and the extra bonus on his quiz so well, he's job, really Dawson. appreciating my nerdiness with the word clues but i actually did it he's a junior in high school i did it when i was in seventh grade mm. i'm not sure i ever did that i don't know what that I is i don't think i did yeah. either it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> i think you're right that is the nerdiest thing <laughs> it definitely is definitely is the nerdiest thing of the week out of all of us <laughs> for sure i haven't gone yet go <laughs> go with i want to hear it um, well, I'm kind of speeding through the Red Queen series. So that's just a nerdy thing because I'm reading it fast. Although I'm kind of struggling through the last book, which is upsetting. Um, I did stay up really late the other night to read like a romance book by Elle Mitchell, her first book. I read her second book first because um, you don't have to read them in order. Uh, I really liked the first book. I read. I, I just sat and read it in like two hours. So that was kind of nerdy. But the nerdiest thing is also like just really, really embarrassing. Um, it kind of goes along with our like mental health discussion tonight. I we had a call um, like as a podcast crew that I was kind of nervous about, and so on my drive over here, I was <laughs> I was doing one of my like um, coping things that I do only when I'm by myself. And while I was doing it, I was like 
this is really weird <laughs> that I do this. <laughs> so what I do, and I feel comfortable to share this because I just imagine like nobody but you two is ever going to listen to this. Um, we have a lot of listeners. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I just want to be honest with so you. So when I am like really anxious about a conversation, whether it's like a confrontation or whatever, or like a job interview, whatever it is, I like pretend that I'm having the conversation before it happens, but I like do it with an accent. <laughs> Okay, here's what I need to know. Does the accent change every time or is it the same? Um, it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. And so like, what, are you Jamaican sometimes? No. That's what I need to know. No, I'm usually British, but this time <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's really embarrassing. So are both like so is the interviewer British or like you're the British? The interview I'm British. The interviewer <laughs> is in my head. <laughs> so here's the thing I'll say though. Like all laughing at you aside, having <laughs> having a coping mechanism is very very important. Yes, well, and I yeah. think that's super awesome. But it is really funny. No, it's it's really weird, and that's fine. But um, I, re- I like I was doing it, and then I was like, this is really weird. And so I switched what I was doing, and instead of like pretending like our conversation was happening, I just pretended like I was in an interview with my therapist, and was like, well, this is what I do when I'm anxious, in like a British accent. And then I was like, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, hear what that sounds like? No. And, oh, really? So, no? then, so then I was like, this isn't really sounding like the way I want my British accent to sound. So I was like, you know what? I'm saying this like out loud in my car on the drive over here. I talk to myself all the time. I'm like, oh, you know, you? this British accent isn't working for me. I'm just going to switch into Australian. You guys. <laughs> and so I don't know that my British and my Australian accent would be any different. different. The only difference between my British and Australian is the word crikey. (laughs) (laughs) And good day, Mike. I mean, and we have a lot of British listeners, so I'm so sorry. It was really intense. And I was like, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever done. Because, like, I'm doing it. and But but the, the coping mechanism in that particular instance was me, like, explaining the coping mechanism, like, to myself alone in my car. It was really weird, and it made me feel nerdy. And we'll just pretend I'm like I'm just gonna say no it's not this. weird. I think it's, well, it's whatever weird. <laughs> whatever you need to do to to get to where you need to be. And mm-hmm. it, trust me, I do weird things too. I listen to uh, subliminal messages that tell me to be a confident speaker and to you be are a confident speaker, <laughs> but I'm not really. <laughs> so you are a confident speaker <laughs> who does not need to smoke. <laughs> we were talking about the friends episode earlier, y'all. That's it why it was we're... just really one of those things where it's like, I have done that for a really long time. Like when I'm by myself, but when I did it the other day, I, I actually like thought about what I was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And was like, Oh, this is, is weird <laughs> this is this is a weird thing that i'm doing i do want to say so there you go the call that whitney was nervous about we'll have a um really really cool announcement soon so i can't wait for that it was it was something and here's the thing being anxious over something it doesn't matter what it is you can be anxious over anything but i think we were all really nervous about yes. it yeah and it ended up being really quite fabulous it was i'm really really thrilled you know what it was fabulous because i talked in my australian accent <laughs> Yeah, the whole, no, what you guys don't know is while we were talking to this person, she was also in an Australian accent. <laughs> anyway, my turn's over. <laughs> okay, so first I'm going to talk about our nerdiest cocktail. So this week, um, we know that Feyre couldn't read and couldn't finish the trial because of that without help. And we have this really, really bougie, pretentious book of like the um, favorite drinks of all of our alcoholic literary people. (laughs) 
I wanted to find a cocktail out of that book. And so Zelda Fitzgerald really loved vodka lemonade. So that's what we had tonight. And part of our nerdiest thing is one of the road trips that unfortunately Whitney didn't get to go on. We did this like really funny ghost tour. Do you remember oh, this? Oh, that man? was hilarious. And it was this like, but the ghosts were all this same dude that would jump off the bus and, <laughs> and like dress up, dress up like in costumes. <laughs> and so he came on the bus with this big like um, blonde wig and like black like. Uh, and, like a flapper dress. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm Zelda Fitzgerald. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like, we have to do that one. And I've had probably too much and we'll have to eat some. We'll make some French fries. Home. It'll be fine. <laughs> So then the other thing is I have two others. So in the JLA shop this week, Jennifer Armentrout posted these really cool little acrylic standees. And there's, there's one of um, Poppy and Cass and there's one of Sarah and Niktos. And I ordered them because obviously they're really cool. Yeah. They're really, really cool. And I got them yesterday and they are like so freaking beautiful. I love them so much. Um, And then the other thing is, is I did go ahead and get um, a court of mist and fury on audiobooks. I'm really struggling, not continuing the series. (laughs) We only have two more episodes in this season. Um, You know, at the beginning of this episode, you heard what our season two is going to be. We're really, really, really excited, but I have trouble stopping the series in the middle. Right. So, yeah, yeah, so I am going to go ahead and listen to a court of mist and fury because I gotta. <laughs> it's so good. It is, it is really my good. Favorite of the three. I will say, four, you know, five, the point four. of this podcast is to get people into a series they haven't read yet. So even though we're not going to do the next book, we really, really do want you to continue on. Um, but we could do Sarah J. Mass books for five years. Oh, we definitely right could. because she has at least five right. Years. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we want to support other authors and and read different points of view. And so, um, if you have the opportunity to go ahead and go to the library. And, and get those books you should. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we are talking about chapters 41, 42, and 43. Bye. Bye. For exclusive content to keep up with all things nerdy, follow us on Instagram at Our Nerdiest Thing. We post book reviews, what to read next, and our cocktail recipes. Have something nerdy that you'd like to share? Email us at OurNerdiestThing at gmail.com. This podcast is edited and produced by The Story Guides. Thanks for listening.